0: We'll be I don't know should we call this one specific conference i mean that was my my thought you know there are there are some people who have conferences that are more general in nature, maybe to a broader audience. This will be like a specific thing yeah, yeah. we'll
1: see how specific we how get specific
0: today. definitely i I'd like to confer a little bit with you <laughs> and in the in in <sighs> in that uh in that uh mode, I'd like to say that it, as as a person confers don't you like have like an exchange of ideas like back and forth? Like there are multiple viewpoints uh, expressed, multiple, like perhaps even opposing viewpoints in a conference or uh
1: yeah, maybe generally
0: generally <laughs> like if it were a general <laughs> thing, you might have a lot of varying viewpoints, but if it were specific, we'd only have a single viewpoint.
1: You know, I've, <laughs> I've always thought it would be real cool to have at least the uh, fifteen, you know, the first presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve in the LDS Church on the Monday after general conference, which would be today. Today, October second, two thousand twenty-three, on the Monday after conference, have a press conference. A, you know, a Q&A, let mm-hmm. people, you know, and, 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 of course the reporters locally here wouldn't, they're, they're not, they wouldn't ask any questions. They're not worth the, uh, the, uh, space they take up when it comes to their professional integrity, but, <laughs> but November, five it, words. Would, it would be interesting to have uh, some follow-ups. I also think if that were the case, the talks would be more and more benign. I mean, they're pretty benign. So
0: with, like right? y- y- you might hear a question like you said xyz what did you really mean by thus and such yeah as opposed to nothing right no no questions get to be no no clarification
1: well and no no questions no not even challenges um you know n- 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 they the speakers are not ever called upon to defend themselves and I'm not saying they should have to but that should be an opportunity for people to challenge them on things they say uh or or ask for clarification or reasons why such and such was said especially when there's you know bigger announcements or you know for example yesterday there were 20 temples and some some people could say now why a temple in this location well I know if
0: uh, TBM were there he would say this he would say because he posted it on our website last week Mm mm-hmm Quote, you see, you know how to announce the temple, you just don't know how to build the temple. And that's really the most important part of the temple, building it. Anyone can just announce them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, playing off of our comments about uh, Seinfeld's reservations right, right. skit, that was
1: Yeah, well, that's apropos. Just before conference, the church announced that there are 133 temples announced, announced by President Nelson in the five years or so that he's been. Announcing them. And just seven of those are in operation. Well, now that number is 153 because they announced 20 more. And so there's almost 100 temples that just only exist on paper.
0: But a lot of these temples are more like uh, chapels, aren't they? Like, glor- uh, they're like big chapels? I don't know. Isn't that? And that's it, the it, sense it, I get. Is there's a the, lot
1: of mini temples going up. It depends on the location, I guess. Um but I I think it would be fair <coughs> to say you know we the demand for temples is such and such and temple attendance across the world is increasing and here's some numbers I just think that that more numbers more transparency would be a good thing for example I mean we have we there's, you, there's a temple there's a temple being built in Linden Utah and it's a it's a strange location is it on
0: in, is it under construction yeah. Oh, okay. So they're actually yeah, building this. Yeah, way.
1: it's uh, it's a big one. Really, you can see it from the freeway, and it's kind of a strange location. It's right smack dab in like a neighborhood, right by a school. So, and so if you live there, I think I would be a little bit irked just because of traffic. Traffic, yeah. Yeah. But we'll see. Maybe there won't be much traffic. I don't know. <laughs> but that's the like. But there's also one in Orem, like three miles down the road. And then you have Timpanogos, which is in American Fork. Saratoga Springs. And there's two in Provo. There's one in Saratoga Springs. And I just want to, I, I think it would be fair to, like, are, are these being built to accommodate a demand or are they just being built?
0: Well, the one in Saratoga Springs is kind of a, a little Potemkin village, isn't it? Like, have you driven by that? There's a, yeah. there's a road up to it and there are houses on every side on on both sides of the road and then yeah. around the temple but there is nothing else out there it looks like they it looks like a movie set kind
1: of yeah i imagine the rest of the area will fill in but yeah it's well eventually it's theoretically interesting, it's interesting that they built those homes there cuz that's going to drive the property value up in theory
0: it just seems odd really odd the way that that it's a lengthy corridor from the right. Redwood Road all the way up to the temple and there are houses all the way up. Right. It's just weird.
1: But anyway, yeah, there's a generally conferencing going on. And I think you're right. A conference should uh, accommodate questions, you know, I was, answers, differing well, diff- viewpoints, dialogue.
0: While conference was going on, I was kind of checking out the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints dot org website. And they've got this big come unto Jesus. Join us for general conference. So. Was he there?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: Dumb question. Yeah, there's another one. What we believe. Learn about Jesus Christ. This is like the second right above the fold. They have a hope. A message of hope in Jesus Christ, and then um, you've, you scroll a little bit further down, and it says, get to know Jesus Christ. You can have a personal relationship with your Savior. Start by talking with the missionaries, <laughs> online or in person.
1: Okay. Can hold, you on, hold on by, a second. <laughs> can you just start, <laughs> I have a problem with this. Can you cut out the middleman?
0: You can have a personal relationship with your Savior. Start by talking with the missionaries, online or in person, about how you can follow Jesus Christ. What? I'm am flummoxed.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I think you can start by talking to Jesus.
0: That's what I would say. Like, if he's real, if he responds to prayers, if he uh, gives inspiration or signs or any any sort of an indication, you know, wouldn't you want to go straight to the source?
1: What does the uh, what does the LDS chatbot have to say about that?
0: You know, I don't know.
1: Um, by the way, the LDS chatbot is a real thing. LDS is it LDSchatbot.com LDSbot.com
0: Okay, I'll it pull is it up. It's a
1: chat GPT powered uh, LDS chatbot.
0: I'm asking it how do we come unto Christ? It's responding
1: it does that
0: it's typing it out As if it LDS- doesn't already it should just hit its, it rather than making it look like he's actually typing i wish these bots would just bam throw the whole thing at you cuz it's so it's silly
1: this ldsbot.com is a project of the bh roberts foundation by the way which i don't know a lot about
0: okay so i'm going we'll post a link to it but it's ldsbot.com how do we come unto christ coming unto christ is a lifelong process of developing deep developing a deep personal relationship with him, here are a few key steps. One, faith in Christ, believing in Jesus. Two, repentance. We need to turn away from our sins and strive to be more like Christ. Three, baptism and receiving the Holy Ghost. Jesus taught we should follow his example and be baptized. We receive the gift of the Holy Ghost after baptism. Four, enduring to the end, continually making efforts to live as a follower of Christ, keeping his commandments. Um, number five loving and serving others okay so I'm just going to do a quick word search on this page for the word prayer okay. wouldn't okay so the word pray is not found anywhere on this page and and, and now the chatbot, you explain this to me this is like the uh, amalgamation conglomeration of like the B.H. Roberts collective resources that the church has put out over many years. This is like correlated, accepted well, material.
1: it's the B.H. Roberts Foundation is the people behind it. says
0: that. it's not affiliated with the Church of Jesus Christ yeah, of Latter-day Saints. Not. But the point is that it's using approved materials, uh, right?
1: I'm sure it is. And, and I don't know much about the B.H. Roberts Foundation. So I, I, they have a few other like because online this is, projects as well. I
0: remember this is kind of what I was taught at BYU about the doctrine of Christ, that it's first faith, repentance, then baptism, Holy Ghost, and then enduring to the end. That's what I got in a religion class, mm-hmm. that that's what it was. But uh, so to come unto Christ, though, I mean, what shouldn't prayer, prayer be like A1?
1: Well, I'm I, I just throwing that out uh, I there. I think to have faith or to believe— There has to be a previous, a prior step for somebody to get to that point. And I think maybe that's prayer. Prayer is an act of faith, obviously. Well,
0: sometimes people will just say, well, just have faith. You just need to have faith. You need to believe. But there's no, like, hey, talk, cry out to the, the Mm -hmm. Book of Mormon describes people crying out unto the Lord Mm -hmm. in multiple places, right? In fact, that's the whole thing with Alma and Amulek uh, well Alma on the mission to the Zoramites I think Amulek was there and he he does teach usually Alma and Amulek is when we talk about that people are thinking Alma chapters 8 through 16 at Ammonihah right so I'll clarify but in chapters 30 to 34 ish that's where you get the whole faith discussion and, mm-hmm. the, and the Zoramite underclass is, has been kicked out of the synagogues and so they don't think they can worship God and And Amulek, I think, is the one who says, look, pray, just pray wherever you are, in your closets, in your fields, you know. Right. And then uh, that episode in the prison, is that in Helaman? Where um, the later Lehi and Nephi, the brothers, see the angel and, and the rest of the prisoners hear the voice and they're like, cry unto the voice, cry unto the voice, you know.
1: Right.
0: I just I think it's just obvious, right? That coming unto Christ is uh It's it's an honest is this an honest question or am I being facetious? Am I being sarcastic here? What uh, uh insincere trying to snipe at the church or is this like uh, I mean what, what's, what's missing here? There's something that's missing. If, they, if they're saying, like, we have... The point of the, the website is to... Is it to teach or to get people to come to church? Because, you know, what's the...
1: You're talking about the LDS.org?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, what's, what would our goal be? If we're supposed to bring people to Christ, is our goal to bring them to church or, or general conference or to bring them to Christ? Because if you wanted yeah. to bring them to Christ, well, we've got the example of Alma and Amulek, and they're
1: just like, hey, pray. Yeah. Just pray. I think in the minds of, of uh, people who write that website and the church leaders and, and missionaries and church members, they're one in the same. If You bring someone to church or they get baptized into the church, that's the same thing as coming to Christ. And in, in some cases, probably the, the convert is sincere in that, and so maybe it is, but... But I think, you know, one of the things the church does really well, and I don't know if this is a good thing or not, but they're really good at uh, qualifying people's belief in Jesus with, you know, equating it with the belief in the church or following the living prophet, not the dead ones, but the living one. Uh, The ones that
0: don't age well?
1: You know, kind of like the guy, I can't remember his name, but we've talked about it here where he said it's useful to, whenever someone says the church, to replace that with Jesus. And of course, a couple weeks later, the SEC news broke out, and so people did that. So <laughs> in the in the
0: settlement document with the Securities Exchange Commission, yeah.
1: right. And so it was Jesus had 14, 13 shell companies. <laughs> yeah.
0: Jesus wasn't forthcoming about right, right. <laughs> it's like
1: maybe you should just not do be that. Careful about what you what you uh, you know the type of things you put on on you know the way you use the, the name of the Savior. But I think for a lot of people, it, like if they read that sentence. You know, believe in Christ, start by talking to missionaries, and people- be- read that and don't think there's any any problem there or that it's yeah, of course, that's how you do it. You have to go through there God is a God of order, and so you have to go through the missionaries. the missionaries are the only ones authorized to teach baptize the gospel you. and to baptize converts and and then and then you're going to get baptized, and then the members will ignore you, and you'll follow right, sorry <laughs> that's.
0: So there's there's a uh, twenty or thirty people that are rewinding to hear what just happened there. <laughs> like, wait, did he just say? Oh yeah, he did. <laughs> okay.
1: No, I, I you know, it, it, I think if a lot of our mis our, a lot of our listeners are probably returned missionaries, and I think we saw the whole gamut of convert experiences.
0: No, I think there's a high percentage that, like a high high percentage that fits the model that you just. Uh, <clears throat> quickly threw out there and then glossed over and turned tail and ran back to wherever we are right now. Um, no, I did. Okay. So coming into wow. Christ. Yeah. That, what, what does that really mean? I, like we, if we, if we have a website, we have website materials, you know, we could tell people like front and center, pray to the, pray to the Lord God, pray to the voice, pray, to, you know, you're hearing God is working with you, accept it, receive it. Try to figure it out. You know, if you've got a bad feeling about what's going on in the world today, that's probably God warning you. If, you know, if God told you to do something good, that's probably God. You shouldn't ignore that prompting.
1: Um, the, I think that's at the heart of the conflict that is sort of not acknowledged that it exists, but the heart of this conflict within the LDS church. And we've talked about this, you and I, offline a lot and maybe online, I don't remember. But I think there is a conflict brewing. It's, it's there. You probably have experienced it in your own ward or, or community, especially if you're in Utah, where you know the ward has different little factions, and it's really along political lines, I think, too. You have the so-called progmos, progressive Mormons.
0: Make America kind again. right. Make it, and then there's the make America America again, <laughs> guys.
1: Yeah, I'm more in the, can we try America again, again? <laughs> yeah. But uh, y- then you have, you know, the traditional, the traditionalists. And of course, you know, like Elder Oaks, I, I didn't hear all of his talk. I didn't hear many of the talks. I had a little distracting weekend. Maybe I'll talk about it another time, but. He apparently implied, he can't just come out and say it, but he implied that there's just two genders and that marriage is between a man and a woman. Mm. And so, of course, people are, are you know, you, you go to Twitter and people are posting memes of, you know, screaming people saying, you know, progmos right now or things like that. And, okay. <laughs> and it's just like, you know what? Words are wind. <laughs> they don't mean a lot. I think that was George R R R R Martin that said that words are wind. Okay. And so general conference talks are wind. They're nice. Some of them are really good. Some of them uh, are dry and sleepy. And others have some nice doctrine in them. I, I find that the foreign members of the seventy tend to give better talks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, generally speaking and take take that for what it's worth you can hypothesize on that maybe some of our uh some of our american or uh, non-american listeners can chime in on that but ultimately they're just talks right and they're not policy they're not doctrine and Still, well, they, so you they have do this,
0: become doctrine. I mean, there is the, well, the idea in the church that everything that's spoken from the pulpit under the doctrine, influence of the Holy Ghost is scripture.
1: Doctrine's an interesting... We've kind of... Do we even know our own doctrine? Well, because, why it, because every six months, you know, for example, uh, I don't know how long ago, but they started using the phrase covenant path, right? Yeah, it was about 10,
0: 15 years ago.
1: Now you hear it all the time. Everywhere
0: covenant path tm
1: covenant path then it was hear him right and then you hear, hear you heard that a lot and those sort of become doctrine in the sense like yeah, we've always walked the covenant path even though we've never used that phrase and and also what is the covenant path what what does that actually mean and you might get a different answer if you asked 50 bishops in uh 50 different Countries or I, think asked, I think if you ask,
0: I think if you ask the lay people, like the well, we're supposed to have a lay clergy, but if you ask just the regular rank and file, you might get a different answer. But I think the bishops have a clear understanding of what the covenant path well, is. Well,
1: I think what they might say is what you just iterated, what you talked about there—you know, faith, repentance, baptism, Holy Ghost—and then they would tack on temple attendance.
0: Yeah, they would put they would they would go baptism, priesthood if you're a male, and um, then temple ordinances, so initiatory, endowment, and sealing.
1: What, okay, so most members of the church who are active receive their endowment in the temple before they're 25 years old. Is that the end of the path?
0: Well, what we were told in our priesthood meeting was that what do you do when you get to that point? Well, you go back and help other people. Mm-hmm and um it was interesting because we we had what i call a powerpoint from on high so this is where the stake or uh, somebody has this and this was a funny one because it it wasn't from totally on high it wasn't from salt lake it was from like the the stake president and we had little stick figures one in the bottom left hand corner was you and then in the top right hand corner was god so it was a stick well, figure with a crown
1: not me specifically it was but, the viewer
0: <laughs> yeah it was you y-o-u yeah it was the, you it was the viewer it was the person yeah
1: the, the audience
0: <laughs> yeah not you it wasn't it didn't say bobby flood on it it said you y-o-u <laughs> you, you ever seen
1: that clip with laura Ingra, ingraham and her guest says i was watching an episode of you and and she interrupts him wait no i've never had you on but wait what are you talking about an episode <laughs> of me he's like no an episode of you and she's like me i never said any of these things not you. I was watching the television show, You. I, I don't understand. It's, it's, <laughs> this is why. <laughs> there's a TV show called You. Okay. And it confused her. Anyway, I've interrupted you.
0: Yeah, no, no, it's okay. You. <laughs> You've interrupted me? Who's on first? <laughs> no. Oh, that's so good for today's gender pronoun confusion. Who's so you, <laughs> on first, Abbott and Costello? It yeah, is brilliant. Um. So, I, I was just saying. You had
1: your, ca- your, your stick, stick figures. figures. You had the... Us down at the bottom of the mountain, and then
0: at the top right, you had God, and you knew it was God because he had a crown on a stick figure. Okay, and then there was a line drawn up, and the question was, how do we get there? And then yeah. they drew out the covenant path, and it was baptism, uh, ordination, and then endowment and sealing, right? And uh, so they explained all of that, and there was a guy in class named Jordan who, at the end, when when He says, well, what do we do when we get to the top? When we get our endowment, you know, you go back and you help the others. And uh Jordan said, so the idea was you help others go through the covenant path, get Mm -hmm. their get through temple ordinances and I said Meaning
1: what do they mean by that? Like they mean temple attendance, proxy work.
0: Yeah, they mean you go through the temple for yourself and then you keep going through and you you get other people to go through Right. and get the get all the way to the okay. ceiling and that's how you get to god okay. is to do the temple ordinances right that's right. what they said and they said when you get to the top when you get your ceiling you go back and you help other people to go through the covenant path which is to get your to get all these ordinances to get your ceiling right okay and um i'm with you there was this guy jordan in the class who said "Well." since we know that uh, the temple ordinances are allegorical and that they're really a blueprint the temple is the template the temple is a blueprint and we don't want to mistake the blueprint for the actual building we know that we must in reality walk the path and and, uh, encounter God Um, if we go back and try to help other people through the path and haven't actually had the fullness the manifestation of the Lord it's pretty much just the blind leading the blind so (laughs) Uh, don't you think we have a greater responsibility? And then uh, kind of pandemonium ensued and a few people in the back of the class thought, hey, that's great. Yeah, we really need to latch onto the Holy Ghost and And then there were other people up at the front who were like, voila. And then the teacher who was a high councilman was kind of flummoxed and not very happy with the way that took a turn for the worse.
1: I think someone named Bobby might have been there that day. Really? (laughs) Memories are being jogged and i think bobby sat in the back quietly laughing <laughs> yeah that was a that was an
0: interesting lesson because but if, if you know if you know the high councilman in question you I, know what kind I, of a yeah. personality yeah. and he was fun to tease
1: i but, you, but but he later
0: became a bishop in another ward
1: but you're not wrong the temple as we know it today is allegorical it is symbolic And also, it's also not, we don't know, maybe someone out there can correct me, but I don't, we don't know if it was the original temple ceremony that Joseph tried to institute.
0: Well, the the word temple is really interesting. And, you know, I was thinking about this. I wish I would have had a better temple prep class. You know, we don't do very good with temple
1: prep. Well, I've seen a quote, a statement. It was from a a non LDS source. It was a evangelical or Protestant. I, I don't know, but I thought it was really good. He said the he said the the Christian church is really good at helping adults progress, yeah, and find Jesus, yeah. but not too good with the kids. The LDS church is really good with the kids and terrible, yeah. With you're the just adults. are cut loose as an adult. It's like well, you returned from your mission. Blind Leading the Blind. All right. You're set. You've done it. We'll never yeah. help you again.
0: Yeah. We're going to put you in primary for three years. Or right. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, you know, the temple prep thing, we could do such a better job on that. And, uh, you but, know, when, when I went through, I don't think, or, or, or it was just barely released or it wasn't yet released. I think it was 1992. Uh, that kind of dates me. I'm not going to say exactly when I went through, but... um I never had thought that there might be a book out there that you could read that might enlighten you dramatically on these topics. And the book is a collection of essays by a man named Hugh Winder Nibley. Oh, yeah, I heard of him. And the, book, the name of the book is entitled Temple Whoa. and Cosmos. <laughs>
1: well, listen. And if you... Listen. <laughs> we... As a culture, we've taken that title, those two words, and we've, we've erased one from our vernacular. And it's not temple. Yeah, right. It's the other one. <laughs> and we've kind of erased uh, Brother Hugh as well. Yeah, unfortunately. unfortunately.
0: His, I, I was reading that the other day. I, I, I was reading through it again. This, this book, Temple and Cosmos, is amazing. It's
1: sitting on my my bed stand right now. Yeah.
0: Just the first chapter. Kind of dusty. If you were to just take the kids through the first chapter of Temple and Cosmos, it it would help so much. He explains in there that the temple is a template. He explains that the temple is a scale model of the universe. He explains a, a lot more about it. He says you go there to get your bearings hmm on the universe now i think farms edited that it should have said cosmos it should have used the word cosmos because the cosmos is a little more mystical than the mm-hmm. universe like when we think universe we think of the physical
1: yeah the solar system solar system yeah
0: and, and cosmos and cosmology cosmology can be talked about in that way but cosmology can also be talked about in a metaphysical way mm-hmm. and we've we've kind of gone through this a little bit before, we talked talked around it, talked at it directly in some cases on the podcast, but cosmos comes from the Greek verb kosmeo, and it means to order or to organize. So the cosmos is the thing that has been ordered or organized, which could be physical, but in the case of Mormonism, we have this great talk, the King Follett, commonly known as the King Follett Discourse. It was oh, the yeah. April 7th, 1844, last general conference address that Joseph Smith gave and he said remember that. Yeah, he said something like this. It, it was a month after King Follett's funeral. So, right. so he was prevailed upon by some of the family members to teach kind of the same material. And the subject of course was the dead or the hereafter or the greater, you know, expanding our view to something greater than just our limited, uh, the limited present, right? That we're we're caught up in the visible, that we can see the physical world. And in it, he said, you know, God finding, he he, he said that God himself was a, an exalted man, like an individual like us that had gone through a process of refinement to become a glorious, fiery God. And that he sits enthroned in yonder heavens and that that's a great secret. And he said it plainly. And then he he went on to say that God finding himself in the midst of spirits and seeing that he was more intelligent than they all, he saw fit to set up laws. I don't necessarily like the word laws. I would have used the word a system, but he set up laws by which the others could progress to become like him. And that's what cosmos really is in the metaphysical sense. It's a system of progression. It's the thing that was organized in the beginning. And so the temple, it being a scale model of the cosmos is supposed to teach us something about what we're caught up in and if we could just tell the kids that you know and just tell them you know hey you're you should consider yourself to be adam or eve when you go through this you're you're walking the path unto jesus (laughs) which involves Getting more light, you know, right. uh, interacting with the Lord, interacting with messengers, finding true messengers, exchanging tokens, going to the veil, speaking with the Lord, exchanging signs and tokens, exchanging information, ultimately to enter his presence. I mean, if, it's given me chills. I'm, I'm getting shaky thinking about <laughs> it. This is like really cool stuff. This is if, if only we could be that clear. In Temple Prep class, and all we well, got to do is start with Hugh Nibley's book.
1: I, I think. When when did he write Temple and Cosmos in well, the sixties, seventies? Well,
0: the the essays were written along the way right. during his career, and then they were compiled into this volume in the early nineties. Because I believe it was nineteen ninety two that it was released, but I I'll, I'll double check. You the, keep talking.
1: the The Temple has changed a lot over the, since. 1990 it's changed again recently
0: 1992 was when it was released january
1: and and just and and i kind of said it jokingly when i said we've kind of eliminated that word cosmos from our well no we don't we don't talk about it but we have we have we we don't we don't talk about that sort of aspect of of Joseph Smith's teachings, uh, the scriptural teachings that kind of allude to this stuff. We don't speak in those word types of words anymore as a culture, and and the leaders are right there, you know, leading the charge. Where everything is very, um, everything is very focused on staying within the the system provided here, the the earthly man made system which is what this kind of covenant path idea entails. Now, President Nelson did introduce a new catchphrase which yesterday, which I guess is a a nudge in the right direction, kind of. I don't really like the catchphrase, but he said it 69 times in his talk, give or take, I haven't counted yet, but he says, think celestial, and he just kept saying it and saying it. And saying it was like almost like neural linguistic programming. It was like, uh,
0: no, pre-recorded, right?
1: No, no. I, I, I think. Yeah, I think maybe
0: because he he had a bad fall. Yeah, and...
1: but they recorded it in the. If it was pre-recorded, they put it in the. They did it in the conference center, like in like.
0: a setting where it looked. Or, yeah.
1: And. But he's not actually telling uh, telling people or. Encouraging people to think on the celestial things, the cosmo cosmological, the mysteries of the universe. It was just another way of saying
0: Well, I I, uh, I read a little bit of that. It it was sounded like the way you think celestial is to keep the commandments, meaning you stay in the church, stay, stay, stay you, in the boat. You pay your tithing, right? You you fulfill your calling, you uh
1: It was just continue along traditional modern Mormonism. That was explicitly. Or, sorry, said. not Mormonism. <laughs>
0: But that was what was explicitly said in the talk: was just do the things.
1: Right. Don't ponderize the mysteries of the universe.
0: Here, this will be interesting. Take a take a quick pause. I asked the chat bot, the LDS bot, how important is Hugh Nibley's book, Temple and Cosmos? Mm -hmm. Which is interesting because this bot has a vast amount of information behind it. So this, listen to what it says. Huniblis Temple and Cosmos is considered quite important in Latter Day Saints scholarly circles. The book is a collection of his works on ancient religious texts and LDS temple worship. It is particularly valued for its in-depth exploration of connections between Latter Day Saint temple worship and ancient religious practices. Okay, yeah, but I mean, for also for other reasons that I brought up, <laughs> it's important. <laughs> Now we get the but. But. However, like all scholarly works, it represents Nibley's own research, interpretations, and perspectives. It's not considered doctrine, but rather an intellectual exploration of these topics. As with all scholarly works, it's always a good idea to read critically and weigh the arguments made in the context of confirmed doctrine and the teaching of the church's leaders. (laughs) Ultimately, faith in Christ and his restored gospel is a matter of personal testimony. Keep seeking understanding through prayerful study and asking God for guidance. Well, okay, that's thank you for that last sentence. Um, It's also important to remember that while books like Temple and Cosmos can provide fascinating insights and broaden our understanding, they aren't required reading for a strong testimony, testimony or a fruitful and fulfilling participation in the gospel, which by gospel they mean church. At the end of the day, a simple earnest dedication to loving God and our fellow men Keeping the commandments and faithfully fulfilling our callings is at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So now it's back to church. Calling, because when you hear somebody, th- th- this, <laughs> we're really getting into it. No one in particular, but I, I'm, I'm stereotyping here. I've got a straw man. But when when you hear testimony meeting or talks in sacrament, people will say, "I'm so grateful for this gospel, mm-hmm. for this church, and this gospel and." It seems vague, but we all know what that means because every year the same catechism is given, the same lessons are given, the same instruction is given about what you are supposed to do or what really this gospel is, and it has to do with um, following the church leadership, paying your tithing, fulfilling your calling, going to the temple, um, You know, during during the work for the dead, the threefold mission of the church, right? Perfecting the saints, redeeming the dead, and proclaiming the gospel. Doing your missionary work. Is it now fourfold? Fourfold now. Ever since Monson?
1: Caring for the poor and needy. Yeah. Ever since Monson, it changed. Through malls, resorts. Right. Yeah, hedge funds.
0: But that's that's why on its face this sort of an answer seems somewhat benign, but if, you're a, uh, if you've grown up in the LDS Church, you know what keeping the commandments means, and that's why when <clears throat> President Nelson says, think celestial, and then he loads it up with all of the, you know, what does it mean to, to think celestial? Um, it's, it's a loaded statement. It means to do all the things the Church says to do rather right. than to connect with God and do the things He says to do.
1: Well, the... Um... I uh, had a thought.
0: Well, I, okay, while you're doing that, I'll, <laughs> while you're thinking about that, I had another experience, which I'm not sure if uh, if you saw this one, but Jordan was at a uh, 6 o'clock or 7 o'clock a.m. priesthood leadership meeting one time.
1: Mm, I remember those.
0: And the... Uh, the rows had been numbered. The stake president had put numbers on the pe- on the pews. Uh-huh. Like you, you, you had to go to the the row that had your ward number. Uh-huh. So we all sat as wards. Right. Well, the ward, our ward was at the front row, and so, Mister Bruno was like two minutes late. Only two minutes late. I thought I was like you know because those things never start on time. Right. But we were being gung ho at the time, and I walked in. I I I, I wasn't wearing a tie. We had a blue shirt on, had a beard, not, not super long hair.
1: I remember this phase.
0: I walked up to the front. (laughs) So, so the second, the first counselor was up there speaking, a nice old silver haired gentleman, an old farmer. He's up there introducing stuff. And, and I walked in to the front row in front of everybody, walked right up to the middle, on the front row I looked at him, I looked back at everybody else and I sat down. <laughs> and then I stayed there for the duration because the elders quorum guys were supposed to stay in there for the breakout session, right? And in our in our elders quorum um, breakout where they were having the high council teach us, the guy gave a lesson on abiding in Christ, you know, and he was using John chapter 15 and the true vine and stuff and and um it was like, okay, we're, we're supposed to abide in Christ, abide in Christ. Now, how, how is it that we abide in Christ specifically? What is it that makes us abide in the true vine? And, and um, you know, so there's the PowerPoint from on high up top with the grapes and, you know, all the stuff that he was teaching, and he wanted specific examples of abiding in Christ. And, um everybody starts talking like uh well they start giving examples go to the temple that's how you abide in christ um you you uh do your home teaching that's how you abide in christ you um
1: Magnify your calling. Magnify your calling. You can you
0: can come up with all of these right, on all, your own. All
1: of the phrases, all of the things. Yeah,
0: and then uh, I'm trying to find the scripture here while I'm uh, while I'm I'm reading. But uh, oh, is it Mormon chapter nine? There's a great scripture because.
1: Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> well he's looking, I remember. Okay, my here's what it, here's what it said. Okay, here's what it said. Ahead, ahead. So
0: everybody went through all the things. You know, go to church, pay your tithing, um, go to the temple, do your calling. Um, <laughs> you know what? You've been in this situation before. Mm-hmm. So then I raised my hand and I said, "Well, here." Uh, This is what it says in the Book of Mormon, chapter 9, verse 24. It says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover.
1: That's all hypothetical. It's all hypothetical. Theory, but just imagine,
0: just imagine the con- contrast. That's what I, I'm starting to yell into the microphone because it gets me excited. Just imagine the contrast. Well, right. It's like you got... It, and,
1: and, and you've been to those meetings. They're dead. They're like trying to pull teeth. It's, it's like, well, I think, the, I think week to week, uh, church is, has that dead, a deadness to it. I think general conference is kind of dead in that sense. As well, I mean, there's some nice sermons given. But, but
0: well, is, it the, is it because of the attorneys that they don't want us quoting that if you drink any deadly thing, it will not hurt you, or you'll take up serpents? I oh, mean,
1: probably, probably. And I and
0: I and, I and I and I, to be honest, to the listeners, I'm going, okay, yeah, I'm not sure I want to take up serpents and drink deadly things. Yeah, it's I, not, I not on purpose. I you know? don't think that I mean, means we're that not you recommending you should, that.
1: I I heard people during the uh, the clot shot era. I heard people saying, well, President Nelson has said this is a godsend, and he said that it's the only way to defeat the pandemic, and I I have concerns about it, but I'm going to take it anyway, because he's promised me I'll be okay, because you, basically citing that scripture, or ones like it. I don't know that that's what it means. I don't think if I, if I say, you know what, the, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, I'm going to go chug some bleach right now, and I'll be fine. There there are churches that do the serpent uh, thing, right? There yeah, there are, there yeah, have been churches
0: yeah. that do that. They they want to prove that they're believers and, and I, so they
1: And I I don't I don't necessarily think that's the way it's meant. I think it means if if people try to secretly poison you or Well doesn't
0: it say doesn't the scripture say something about sign seeking, you know, that right. you, you do it for vanity and It availeth you nothing. I think
1: also it's referring to acts of faith, miracles, supernatural occurrences, things that we read about the apostles in the old or in the New Testament doing.
0: Well, and they talked about uh, the three Nephites having been. They tried to poison them, or they tried Mm -hmm. to. You know, Mm -hmm. they didn't get hurt by deadly serpents, and.
1: You know, it's like in the the historical account of when uh, John was shot by a a guy who stole his horses. <laughs> <laughs>
0: this is this is much much further in the future after the uh right. Right. the coming of the Lord so it was like fi- 1900 years after
1: <laughs> there was an account
0: a fictionalized account read on the podcast a couple of weeks ago
1: but I uh, I that chap on answered about temple and cosmos is interesting because it contradicts the the doctrine and covenants which encourage us to learn from the best books. Ask it what it considers the best books. Is Hugh Nibley not in the category of best books? I guess
0: yeah. I'll ask that right now. So I'll just say, is Hugh Nibley not in the category of the best books as recommended by DC88, Doctor Incumbents 88? 118 instructs us seek ye out of the best books words of wisdom blah 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 okay Hugh Nibley's works including Temple and Cosmos are highly respected and provide a lot of insights they certainly can be beneficial however quote the best books can be different for everyone depending on your personal interests questions and the aspects of the gospel we want to study more deeply ultimately we should seek guidance from the Holy Ghost in our study efforts it's also important to remember that scholarly works including those by Nibley are not official church doctrine (laughs) You said that before. Yeah, they can provide valuable insights, <laughs> is but it, should is the, but should be considered with prayer and in light of the teachings of modern day prophets and apostles and the standard works.
1: Is uh, are the lectures on faith official church doctrine? And take I guess we uh, taking the chatbot's own advice. Uh, the chatbot is not an official spokesperson <laughs> of the church either, but uh he's drawing from uh data you know databases and information that is official. <clears throat> what do they say about the lectures of faith? <laughs>
0: okay. The lectures on faith are a series of seven lectures on the doctrine and theology of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They were originally included in the 1835 edition of the Doctrine on Covenants, but were removed from it in 1921 by a committee of the church because they were deemed to be more instructional than revelatory in nature. Because of this, the lectures on faith are not considered official church doctrine, but they are still studied and respected by many Latter-day Saints. Now, hold on a second. What's the preface? Oh, I'll just ask the chatbot. Quote me the preface to the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants. Quote (laughs) me the preface to the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants. Oh, it's thinking. I'm sorry for any confusion.
1: Does it not have that? In its, <laughs> okay, this in its is library. totally
0: copped out. Okay, I'm gonna ask. I'll ask Google. Preface <clears throat> to the 1835.
1: We have a lot of dead air today. Mm, sorry. No, it's all good. I'm not feeling crazy talkative, but uh, I do think these are important topics. I think I, I think one of the one of the things that could lively liven up our Sunday meetings would be conversations like this. You know, conversations about the cosmos, and of course, okay. of, of course, co- conversations about current events, which are absolutely taboo in General Conference. Nobody really had anything specific or interesting to say about the state of the, the world right now.
0: So this was signed by Joseph Smith and—sorry, I know you said something important. I did. I did. Getting back to it later. <laughs> Dear Brethren, this is Joseph Smith's and the First Presidency signed their names to this. Dear Brethren, we deem it to be unnecessary to entertain you with a lengthy preface to the following volume— this is the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants, which mm-hmm. starts with the Doctrine portion, which is the lectures on faith. Right. That's the doctrine portion. Did I just yell that into the mic? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry for the, if I'm blowing out the levels here. We we deem it unnecessary to entertain you with a lengthy preface to the following volume, but merely to say that it contains, in short, the leading items of the religion which we profess to believe. The first part of this book will be found to contain a series of lectures as delivered before a theological class in this place. And again, in consequence of their embracing the important doctrine of salvation, we have arranged them into the following work. The second part contains the principles for the regulation of the church. Anyway, you can go look this up. The first Google result was the Joseph Smith papers. I'll post that into the podcast. And they
1: were removed by what? A committee. Oh uh, uh, no, wait, I thought I said it removed by revelation.
0: No, it says, and here's what it. Yeah, it's re- removed by a committee. But who was it, on the when committee? I asked him to quote me the 1835 preface? It says, I'm sorry. It's important to note I'm, that as an AI, I sometimes get mixed up and might not quote exactly. That being said, the 1835 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants, the preface generally speaks of the importance of the revelations contained in the book and emphasizing that they come from God and they express his will. For the most accurate text, I would recommend checking out a historical or digital copy. This is, it gaslit me. I just got gaslit by the LDS chatbot. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I got, Google pointed me to the, the Joseph Smith papers. Yeah. Which says, in short, the leading items of the religion, which we, Joseph Smith, I think it was Frederick G. Williams and Sidney Rigdon, some other guy, right? Professed to believe. Um, let's see, who, who signed this? Oh, Oliver Cowdery, Sidney. Okay, so Oliver Cowdery, another mm-hmm. who had the keys of the kingdom. So mm-hmm. Joseph Smith Jr., Oliver Cowdery, Sidney Rigdon, and Frederick G. Williams. February 17th, 1835. We do not present this little volume with any other expectation than that we are to be called to answer to every principle advanced in that day when the secrets of all hearts will be revealed and the reward of every man's labor will be given to him. What the heck? <laughs> Hold on a second, chatbot. <laughs> the preface generally speaks to the importance of the revelation. Emphasizing that they come from God. For the most accurate text, go to the source. Yeah, we did. We did. Thank you very much. I'm going to—should I paste it in for future reference? Here it is for future reference, chap.
1: You can try. <laughs> you can see if it'll learn from you.
0: No, it won't take my advice, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll forego that. But, uh, okay, what did you want to talk about? I just—okay, so you're you you you're the one that asked me to ask it if the lex- lectures on faith are official church doctrine.
1: I just think this idea is interesting about what, what exactly is and isn't now church doctrine. I was
0: going to point out, we have a, a listener of the podcast, hopefully he's listening today, that has some insight into that, having worked at a fairly high level. Mm-hmm. Um, he had told me that every time they um, do the conference routine, that all the general authorities' talks, which includes senior leadership, should we call them that? Mm-hmm. Because it's been used in other official legal right. documents.
1: Right. First Presidency and Quorum of the Twelve. Okay,
0: so including senior leadership. Um, that Their talks are run through a, uh, a group in the church uh, hierarchy that checks, it's like a correlation committee mm-hmm. that checks to see if what they're saying is doctrinal. And depending on how high-ranking the officers are, they'll either you know, let them know that they have problems or they'll tell them, hey, you you know, you're introducing new doctrine. Do you really want to change the doctrine or introduce the doctrine? So if they're high enough up, they get that option to change or introduce new doctrine. And they consider, those are the the, words that they, those are the words that he used was that it was doctrine.
1: So in other words, there is no church doctrine.
0: Well, it's whatever they say it is. Right,
1: which means it, there isn't any, it's I just, think that's the, pr- it's just the wind blowing, you know, it's the leaves blowing on the, in the wind.
0: Well, this is why a guy like, and, and I guess I'm got a preface here. We're not endorsing any, any of this stuff, but a guy like Denver Snuffer would get excommunicated for pointing that out in, in his book, Passing the Heavenly Gift, that right. that's essentially what's the main driving force of the church right now is follow the modern prophet, Right. Which is a tenuous position because anything can change. And we've and we've seen that. We've highlighted that uh recently on the podcast where like last conference, there was the the quote, like, you know, the words of old prophets don't age well.
1: Right. Is that am I misquoting that? Isn't that yeah, pretty much what it, they said? Pretty much. It was Elder Haney, I believe, and probably the worst talk I've ever heard, but he said that the words of Old prophets don't age and increase in value like comic books or baseball cards or car collections something or something like that. that. It's like what? So the point, <laughs> and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm misinterpreting his his intent, but I, I, I immediately thought when I heard that I immediately thought of the Savior's words: "Great are the words of Isaiah." But then there's the part that everyone forgets to quote, you know, when the Savior said, great are the words of Isaiah, but not as great as my comic book collection.
0: (laughs) Search the words of Isaiah, for they have been and they shall be. Um, Who gave that, who gave that advice? That talk? No, who gave the advice about Isaiah? Great are the words of Isaiah.
1: Jesus. Oh, okay. You remember him?
0: But that's, he's a dead prophet. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's it is Sorry, a ten, it is a tenuous position, and and the church like the church is threading a whole bunch of needles right now. With that culturally, socially, doctrinally,
0: if you're you know if you're thinking we're nuts and you're not, you know you you're you're chafing at the tone of the mind virus show today. Tell us honestly, is that not the main driving um, doctrine of Mormonism? Is that the the current prophet gets to say whatever? That we follow the current prophet and that they could they could turn this whole thing on a dime. We could become Seventh day Adventists tomorrow if they said to, right? Right. Or and and granted, I know you're out there saying no, they would never do that, because Jesus would never say that. But would you well, we, uh, we have to we, we have to consider that like they're cozying up to the United Nations right now. And uh, well, in, in the '60s, more in the than, '60s, the church was saying that the United Nations was a satanic organization. Like
1: it's more than senior leadership was saying that cozying. I mean, they're funding huge. They're, they're they've sent tens of millions of dollars to UN and UN affiliated programs. The, this
0: is what uh, Snuffer pointed out in his book. Like he tried to contrast pre polygamy or uh, with the so you had he 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 put the. Uh, the history into four different phases. You had while Joseph Smith was alive, and then you had the polygamy era with Brigham mm-hmm. Young up to the First Manifesto and the mm-hmm. Second Manifesto. So you had roughly 21 years there between 1890 and 1911 where, right? Was it 1904? The Second second Manifesto, I think, was 1904. But in 1911, they actually excommunicated apostles Matthias Cowley and uh, John Taylor Jr. Mm-hmm. Because you finally had a majority of non-polygamous first pre- or, uh, senior leadership. So, uh, apo- uh quorum of 12 apostles. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what we had was during the era of polygamy, you had, uh, the doctrine was essentially that, and you can find, um, there's a lady named Michelle stone that does a podcast, 132 questions or problems or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I've heard of that. She's done some really good articulation. You also have Rob Fotheringham's work on, you know, whether Joseph was a polygamist, which is a good good thing to look at. But it lo- it's pretty clear from the historical record, no matter what kind of official pronouncements we get, that those people believed that polygamy was required for the highest levels of exaltation. Mm-hmm. And then after the manifestos, it became, no, you're excommunicated from the church. So there's an example of the church turning on a dime and going the opposite direction. Right. And then he, um, Snuffer pointed out that the next phase was from, was post-manifesto Mormonism, which went from, you know, roughly 1910 to the correlation movement of the 60s. And then we have, so you have one, two, three, and then the the correlation era of modern, of Mormonism is what we're in. We're in the correlated era. I I would say we've, we've. Where we just follow the prophet.
1: I would say we've we're transitioning into a new era. And what's the
0: what are the characteristics of the new era here? Okay, I'd call the it, new era is uh, actually the na- was the name uh, of a magazine. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I would I would say we're entering a post Mormonism world, a post Mormonism period, where more and more we are drifting f- farther away from the founding doctrine. And teachings of Joseph.
0: So not just it's not just a polygamy issue that we're shifting on. We're actually making a 90 degree turn away from Book of Mormon.
1: The, the, or, bo- the Book uh, of Mormon. I mean temple
0: I, worship I, seems to be huge, right? But they've changed the
1: Yeah, the the temple has become this the center of our religion. But and, 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 and I saw somebody I th- I think in the way we do it, it isn't it isn't the best way to do it I think it's become almost like the temple is an idol it's a it's a giant walk-in idol and people believe and are taught to believe that you' are you're right with God as long as you just go there once in a while and do some proxy work for somebody you've never met well, somebody that maybe never even existed
0: are we teaching that the temple is a template Have you ever heard that from anybody no, besides no me? I mean or he,
1: here and there, but not, not anymore. Now it's, are, are we it,
0: teaching that it, it's a blueprint or are, are, are we not teaching like in that class that, that we talked about where we had the stick figures, mm-hmm. that that's the end to get sealed in the temple and you go back and have other people do right. it. And that, that's what we're that, teaching, right? That is go the on end. the covenant that's path. That's
1: why I see this a lot too out there that when it comes to the church finances and the vast wealth the church has, people say this money is necessary to continue the building program, which is temples, Mm -hmm. and missionary programs. And as if those are the end, that's the end game. Building as many temples as possible and sending out as many missionaries as possible is the end game. It's how you gather Zion.
0: Well, uh, But others would argue that the point is that those Two items will result in the charismatic experiences that people are supposed to have to come unto Christ. To actually, right? That's, there, there are people that will argue that that will result in knowing God.
1: Right. That is the argument. That is the that but, is the foundational.
0: But I, do, is that even talked about anymore? That like that you're going to go to the temple and you're going to have an experience it's, because you follow the pattern.
1: I think it's accepted, generally speaking. Again, your mileage may vary. I think it's just accepted that that doesn't need to be talked about because it's the default. You know, the, the leaders of the church talk a lot. They equate the temple with peace a lot. Go to the temple and find peace. And I think that people go there and it's a very quiet, reverent building. And so they say, I'm finding peace. Well, yeah, it's, you it's don't, quiet. You
0: can't hear the traffic. You don't, your kids aren't running around screaming. Right.
1: And again, your, <laughs> there's a lot of your mileage may vary. A, right, there's but,
0: a lot of people who practice yoga because of that.
1: But is peace the end game? Is 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 peace? However you define that, is that the end game? Is that what we're supposed to achieve? Or, like you've talked about, are we supposed to achieve something higher, more? You know, our own theophanies, our own grove experience. That's that's what we don't talk about. Uh, we don't talk about like we used to about becoming joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We don't talk a lot about the the eternal progression, the the nature of our souls, the, you know the intelligences that we are that grow and progress and become like God is, you know, like so, Joseph taught. So, so we're peace. in this we're in this post joseph post Mormon I don't even know what to call it. Like, so we're, basically, we're, we're not allowed to say we're Mormons or we practice Mormonism. So what are we? Are we so, LDS's, LDS Christianity?
0: Let, let me sum up. It, it's, if you follow the church's um, prescriptions and follow the prophet and, and go to the temple and do all the things that we know that we're supposed to do as we're taught through the correlated materials, then we will have peace in this life. We'll have peace and happiness and we'll be happy.
1: But that's not true
0: but that's what they, okay but that's what they're teaching right yeah and that and that, that, that piece will be um, sort of an anchor to your soul that that you'll know that you're saved because you have the and, n- yeah. and you'll also have temporal peace and and happiness because you've you've followed all the uh, well there's the a, steps to have that
1: there's a big dosage of prosperity gospel thrown yeah. in there But, and then if we don't have peace, it's because we're being tested and tried and we should be grateful for being tested and tried. And uh, I have mixed feelings about that, but it's, it's something my, my grandpa used to gripe about a little bit. Oh, here they go. Telling us how great our trials are again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do we ever teach this? Knowledge saves a man. And in the world of spirits, no man can be exalted, but by knowledge. So long as a man will not give heed to the commandments, he must abide without salvation. If a man has knowledge, he can be saved, although if he has been guilty of great sins, he would be punished for them. But when he consents to obey the gospel, whether here or in the world of spirits, he is saved. What does that mean? Knowledge saves a man.
1: Is that Joseph in the lectures? Yeah,
0: this is is just not lectures on faith, but this is uh, teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith.
1: I think we we kind of teach that. But, again, like, everything is couched in this sort of wrapping paper of the modern living prophet. Knowledge saves a man, and in order to have knowledge, you have to follow the prophet. And, you know, I've I've seen people tell me that the living prophet is more important than the Book of Mormon. Or the scriptures, because he's the living prophet. Uh Uh-huh. And he's... Receiving re- revelation equal to the Book of Mormon or the New Testament or the Scriptures, right? And so, I th- and I think that's a really. Uh, I, th- I think that creates. I think that creates a spiritually lazy people, and I think that's one of the reasons. You know, our church meetings are so bland. It's because we're we're not um, collectively. You know, we're not. We're not actively pursuing the you know, knowledge. We're not trying to acquire knowledge that will save us, because what we don't—the church thinks very little of us as as truth seekers. Because look, we have "Come Follow Me," which is a product. You know, they they've ruined the words of Jesus. I've talked about that before. "Come Follow Me" is a curriculum, and it's. Very few people are going to go beyond what is t- what they're told to study in that. So we're, you know, and it's very, um, it's uh, very light. It's a it's a diet curriculum, right? It's very light. It's very easy to follow along with. And then we're told, at least in you know, we're we're told in elders quorum, uh, you're just going to study the the latest general conference talks. So. Everyone's excited because now we got a fresh six months worth, right? And we can all think. (laughs) Are they really excited? I've been in those Uh, meetings. (laughs) No, but you you know, and, and, and and now instead of being told we have to be peacemakers, because that was the hot thing for a while, now we're going to think celestial and
0: for the next six months.
1: Right. And then we'll get in fresh batch and, and it's not so much that all of that is, is bad or not, you know, on itself, but it's. It creates late, we're lazy learners because we don't have to delve into the mysteries. We don't have to learn about the cosmos and the, its relation to the temple or, uh, you know, an approach to Zion. What does Zion actually mean? Because if we're just doing the things, you know, checking the box, I go to church on Sunday and I take the sacrament and I go teach my Sunday school class. And uh, I'll help the Jones move when they need to, if I'm available and I remember. And, you know, I shoveled the walk of the neighbor and, uh, oh, oh, I pay my tithing and, um, you know, I sent my kids to FSY and uh, I, I watch General Conference every six months. Oh, and I go to the temple twice a year or twice a week. Whatever. That's it. You're done. You're just, you're on the covenant path and you're cruising along the yellow brick road, cause, and there's you no— You don't have that's to do it. anything else. That's it. That's the, right now, that's the pinnacle of the modern Latter-day Saint is to just sort of effortlessly wander along this so-called there, path, Do we ever checking say, off boxes.
0: Do we ever talk about working out our salvation before God with, <laughs> with fear and trembling? I mean, have, have I think, you ever heard that? <clears throat> Have you heard that in church recently? I don't think so.
1: I think one of the indicators of of this is the lack of people like Nibley or Truman Madsen or John Hall in the church today. The religion teachers at BYU, the ones that I've been exposed to recently, I had some good ones when I was there. Interestingly, one of the very best ones I had was a layman. He wasn't a professional religion teacher. Mm-hmm. He was just a guy who wanted to teach, and I don't know why or how, mm-hmm. but BYU gave him a course on the Book of Mormon, and I mm-hmm. happened to sign up for it because I knew this guy's brother, and I, and in fact, been kept in touch with that instructor. We share some interests, and so I run into him now and again. But regardless, he he was very good. Um, but the modern day, you know, t- two of the most popular professors of religion at BYU or uh, should we name names?
0: You can do whatever you want. to your podcast. This is a specific (laughs) conference. Well, I'm conferring with you. It's
1: Brad Wilcox who I've met and and know a little bit and Hank Smith who I've never met.
0: Mm. They're they're the popular teachers right now.
1: Yeah. And uh, Brad's very charismatic. He's now in the He's in the general young men's. Charismatic in what sense? I mean, do you feel like he's really
0: inspired or is he just he's outgoing and he's he's a good speaker?
1: I don't want to get too much into it, I guess publicly, but but he's also gotten in and he said some controversial things recently. And Hank Smith on Twitter during the height of the pandemic was like, We have a guy. And he posted a picture of President Nelson. I know a guy. And I said, I also know a guy. And I posted a picture of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I understand that can come across as a little bit uh, arrogant and self-righteous. Obnoxious. Uh, but I was also trying to make a point, like... Because he's like, yeah, our prophet, our, our leader was a, is a physician. It's like, well, he was 50 years ago. But Jesus is the master physician. He even compares himself to that. Like, we... we Yeah, you know a guy, but we know the ultimate guy. We're supposed to anyway. And I just think we're just missing the mark. And and so these these scholars, so-called scholars or religion teachers, are coming up in this system of just the prophet, the prophet, the prophet. And I've heard Brother Wilcox say similar things. It's just always the prophet. Always follow this guy, this man. Follow the man. Follow the man. And. We're, I ran we're it, missing the mark, and that's uh, why we leads us to being lazy learners, incurious learners,
0: right? Well, uh, unconcerned even that oh, wouldn't, yeah, yeah. All wouldn't is that well. wouldn't that be a pretty um, serious feather in the cap of the adversary if he got us to be unconcerned when we really should be concerned? You know, wouldn't right. that wouldn't that be a huge strategic victory for him to to make people think they had achieved the goal? When they were far from it, the, I would liken it to climbing up the top of a mountain. Um, you get to the parking lot, you know, where the trailhead is and you start walking along and you run into a big group of people in a meadow and they say, you're here, you've arrived. Congratulations. Right. And every once in a while, somebody comes back down from the top of the mountain says, Hey, you're missing the point. You should keep going. You need to keep walking. And the crowd says, "Oh, don't worry about them. They're just a little bit enthusiastic." Or, you know, we've yeah. excommunicated that guy. He's not part of us. He's lying. Yeah, he's not telling the truth. I mean,
1: he didn't see what he says. He saw. <laughs> yeah, but if that's what's
0: really going on, is that we're we're stuck in the meadow and we're really supposed to be climbing the mountain? Then I think we have a serious problem. But uh, well, and you know, I, think- I and and I, ra- I have to I have to say I'm just. The people that I've run into recently, like the missionaries, I ran into the missionaries lately. I think they must think I'm off track because we ended up having a conversation. Um, they wanted to kind of fill me out for where I was at, I guess. And I guess I'm I've been outspoken enough that <laughs> there was some concern there. But and I was pretty honest with them, and you know I talk a lot, so it can get confusing for somebody. But the end, the the end question that. You know, as I, I expressed my love for Joseph Smith, for the Book of Mormon, for Mormonism in general, the last thing the senior missionary wanted to know was, yeah, but what do you think about Russell Nelson? Right. But No, but—and I said—I kind of explained, but it was like, but no, but what do you really— Right. He wanted an affirmation or something, and—, and
1: That's why we're moving into this post-Mormon Mormonism.
0: Right. It's a— uh, I, I, I do believe that the, that the orthodox segment of the church has ultra-fixated on this follow-the-hierarchy thing.
1: Yeah. And, 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 and the irony, I guess, is like President Nelson and some of the other senior leaders say some really good things about hearing Jesus Christ or following him and seeking him. From time to time. But oftentimes, and I've met people... I've met people in places I didn't expect to meet them, or I should say individuals I didn't expect to get to this place or getting to this place where they take those words to heart and in their, in, their, in their journey to find Jesus, to come unto Christ, they realize that, that they can do that in a, in a way that contradicts or butts heads against the organization. And that's where this, there's this conflict happening in the church right now right
0: can i just read a little bit of tpjs here this is like this is page 217 in the copy that i've got um and and it's under the heading men are saved through obedience to knowledge okay this is joseph fielding smith's interpretation of the notes that he had but listen to this okay just have an open mind don't put any don't throw anybody under the bus Think of everybody equally based on rank, position, you know, any, you know, the, their position in life or in in the economy, you know, in business or whatever. Let's just all be equal here. And, and, and does this not apply to us as relates to knowledge? This is kind of going to be long, but listen to this. This is what Joseph said, and I, I don't think we're immune from this. He says, we have thieves among us, adulterers, liars, and hypocrites. Hypocrite, of course, means an actor, someone who's a pretender. He says, If God should speak from heaven, he would command you not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to covet, nor deceive, but be faithful over a few things. As far as we degenerate from God, we descend to the devil and lose knowledge. Without knowledge, we cannot be saved. And while our hearts are filled with evil, we are studying evil. And there's no room in our hearts for good or studying good. Is not God good? Then you be good. If he's faithful, then you be faithful. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue knowledge and seek for every good thing. So, this is a big thing. Like, what is the knowledge we're talking about? This, this goes back to chatbot not wanting to be enthusiastic about Hugh Nibley, right? Okay. Uh, and, and again, your mileage may vary. You get to decide. You're the, you, you know, the beauty's in the eye of the beholder here. But he says, add to virtue knowledge and seek for every good thing. And then he continues, he says, the church must be cleansed. And I proclaim against all iniquity. Iniquity. Look up the definition of the word iniquity. It's related to inequity. A man is saved no faster than he gets knowledge. For if he does not get knowledge, he will be brought into captivity by some evil power in the other world, as evil spirits will have more knowledge and consequently more power than many men who are on the earth. Hence it needs revelation to assist us and give us knowledge of the things of God. What is the reason that the priests of the day do not give revelation? Revelation. They only, con- they only ask to consume it upon their lusts. Their hearts are corrupt. They cloak their iniquity by saying there are no more revelations. But if any revelations are given of God, they are universally opposed by the priests and Christendom at large, for they reveal their wickedness and abomination. The great designs of God in relation to the salvation of the human family are very little understood by the professionally wise and intelligent generation in which we live. Okay. It goes on and on and on and on. Um. Iniquity. Let's make sure.
1: Iniquity. It's
0: from the Latin iniquitatem, coming from unequalness, uneven, unevenness, figuratively unfavorableness, unfairness, injustice. It's come to mean hostility, malevolence, hostile action, wickedness, etc. But it does have a relationship to lack of equality. And Um, you know, not that every voice should be given the exact same weight, but we must ask ourselves, does truth carry its own weight because it's true or does authority give you the right to say what is true? Oh, say what is truth. (laughs) Anyway, there I just went on a long monologue there. No, but that's good. Well, I, I think it's an important it's an important discussion. Who again? We're asking the question: Who are we really as Mormons? Oh, we can't. I guess we're not Mormons anymore. But <laughs> who are we really in the tradition of Joseph Smith?
1: Right. I mean, that's that's a big question, and I guess uh, time will time we're will in
0: a, We're in a new phase. When did this phase start? Do you think? Nelson, the last th- the last I, four or five years,
1: I think I think Nelson, President Nelson, made it very apparent. Maybe there was movement under the, you know, behind the scenes.
0: So the so up through Hinkley and Monson, that was kind of the end of the correlated phase. The
1: well, there certainly things are still correlated, but
0: but now it's more the more the focus is on the living profit.
1: Yeah the the, the living profit has become front and center under, under president Nelson, like more so than I think I've ever, I've ever seen.
0: This is a tough one. I mean, there are lots of people who feel really good
1: about that being, you know, well, it putting, feels, putting it, your, it feels really good to think that you've got it all figured out.
0: Well, the Holy ghost told me, you know, I, right. I don't have, and I don't have to check everything he says. Cause I was told they're
1: or anything he says,
0: cause they're a prophet.
1: So um, yeah, I, I just think uh, I, I th- this is something that uh, maybe I'll be proven wrong on, but I, I feel like the I feel like the Lord is preparing people to survive without the church in their lives, and I don't know what that means or how that comes about. But if you feel that, I think I mean everyone's different, right? And I don't mean I don't mean leaving the church or uh, denouncing it or anything like that. I just think that the what it could be or can be or maybe used to be is changing. Well,
0: and you, you make a good point if you look at it with the right lens, and I hope that people will be compassionate about what we're saying here and look at it from with an honest lens. It's not like, um, you yeah, know, we're not saying here you should leave the church or anything, but it's if the lights go out, if the, if the communication lines break down, you Which know,
1: they did remember in 2020 they did. Yeah. It, uh, but you know, like you,
0: you could argue, well, I can just run over to my Bishop's house. Right. But that doesn't, you know, that's another guy that doesn't, he might, he might be running for cover. Uh, you might, right. you might live in a in a place outside of Utah where your Bishop doesn't live down the street. Right. You know, your state president doesn't live down the street. That's, in Utah it's a, it's well, an interesting gonna situation. What are you going to do when you knock
1: on his door anyway? You're
0: going to ask him, well what should we do bishop? <laughs> right. But there's no and he's going to say, well we haven't gotten any word from higher up, right. so just stay in your homes and, and hunker down. I mean
1: Yeah, I mean we we were told to do that already, remember? And I, and I know it was different from place to place, but in our particular situation communication was stopped. It just stopped for yeah. months, for like 3 months. And, uh, you know,
0: if we look at the scriptural examples, you've got guys like Lehi who he had to leave. God had to talk to him specifically. There was a time when he was told there was a problem. And then there was a time where he was told he had to leave because they were going to kill him and Jerusalem was going to be destroyed, Mm -hmm. you know? So, and he wasn't, he wasn't the guy. He wasn't like the accepted priesthood leader at the time. Right. And it was just him and his family. Is that, and and you've got situations like Abinadi, right? He comes to the accepted priesthood leader, which was the king, the king and the priest and his corrupted priests. I'm talking about Noah and his corrupted priests. He had, Mm -hmm. he had changed. One of the things he had done is he had called replaced all the priests of his father with new guys that were conducive to his program. And then you have an Abinadi come in and say, hey, you guys, this is a problem. You've made mistakes. Um, God is warning you through me, you know, that we need to repent. You need to, to return to him, specifically is what Abinadi teaches about, returning to Christ. Um,
1: well, I- if...
0: If if it were conceivable that we had problems, is it possible that somebody, uh, some third party, could come in and say, "Hey, wake up! We we don't have that." Even though it's in our scriptures, we don't allow that as a possibility in our modern Mormonism, right? Right. And again, I'm not not trying to say that uh, you know you need to believe that the whole thing's gone kaput. It's this is a these are nuanced strange times right i I see a ton of value in um the organization of the church you know there's there's community there's Mm -hmm. uh helping people we've got the book of mormon temple worship has been changed a lot but you know it's still if you still look at it as an allegory for eternal progression is it is it good is it bad i mean that's that's up to you as the beholder but if there were cracks in the foundation, I mean, we ha- we have a belief that that we can never be led astray, but that that stems from Wilford Woodruff. That's kind of like, it's like the Ken Garf advertising around here, you know. Grandpa said, we hear you. We could never, <laughs> we could never, my grandfather said, we could never lie to you. I can't lie. I'm not going to lie to you. You know, my grandpa, my grandpa said I could never lie to you. So, you know. Right. It sounds like a used car dealer thing, you know, you, nobody, no man will ever lead you astray as long as they hold that particular position. Right. And then there's the whole, well, the fi- that's why we have 15, right?
1: But now we've just equate them all. None of those, they don't, there's no checks and balances, at least that we see maybe behind the scenes, but I don't think there's much of that.
0: But that it it begs the question: Why then does the Doctrine and Covenants section ninety seven have a mechanism for removing the presiding high priest or removing right. people from these high offices?
1: That's a good question. If
0: you if if you can, if we can't be led astray, why did Joseph provide for the possibility mm-hmm. that it could happen? You know, right. he, he even talks about himself uh, mm-hmm. going astray in one of the one of the sections in the current Doctrine and Covenants. But, but whether or not it's a stray, that's, that's maybe outside of the discussion of our specific conference here on the podcast, (laughs) maybe we're not, you know, we're, we're trying to not inflame anybody's sensibilities here. The, the big question is what is your, what is the duty devolving upon you as an individual, you know, and can, can you have the courage to act outside of the box? If you feel the Holy Ghost is telling you, or mm-hmm. is that just verboten, forbidden because you must check in with the, the leadership on everything, you know? Right. that's the question, I guess.
1: Well, let's leave it at that. Let's leave that question hanging. And you can, if you feel, you can answer that in the comments. That'd be awesome. Otherwise uh, comment as, uh, as you wish. Yeah.
0: I hope, you know, I know we've lost people because we've, we're kind of, what would you call us? Inflammatory? No.
1: Fringe
0: <laughs> fringe thinking, uh, you know, unusual. Lunatic. Eccentric. And that's okay. You know, we're comfortable. I think we I lost think. more people over our take on Barbie than anything. Possible. We probably lost a lot of ladies over that, didn't we? <laughs> you know, if, if we're losing you, that's okay. I hope we've provided something that's uh, useful and helpful for you. Uh, I think that there, you know, you cannot go wrong with prayer to the true God, Mm -hmm. the savior of this world, the, the good God, the one that wants you to progress, the one that wants you to recognize your own divinity, the one that wants you to realize you're caught in an epic struggle between light and darkness, that God, the good God, you know, Jesus Christ. I hope that if there's anything anybody's taken from this, it's that they should pray and expect a response in some way, and then build upon that, to try to get a more concrete relationship going with the Lord, you know. It's it is in a lot of ways the chatbot is right that it's it's a journey, but it's it's a holy grail quest, right? But it's between you and God. And you might get a prompting that challenges your deeply held beliefs. That's the that's the hard part. That was my experience.
1: Mhm. But anyway, <clears throat> Thank you, everybody. We're going to let you go. We'll be back in one week's time. One week hence.
0: Okay. Have a great week.